when I was in college, there was a Bible student there. And uh, he had set a goal of getting out of college, and he set the date. And it was kind of funny because it became like a joke around college for everybody and for him. His goal was out the door in 94. (laughs) That was his, I'm going to be out the door in 94. And he set his mind to it. That was his goal. And he made it, praise the Lord, he graduated in 1994. Uh, but that was his theme, and uh, he just kept saying it out the door in 94, and I still to this day remember it. Well, it's 2004, and I don't want to be out the door, uh, but I want to do more. I want to do more in 2024, and that's the title of the message this evening, Do More in 2024. Would you turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah for our text this evening as we look at uh, this example of Nehemiah and uh, how uh, God burdened his heart to a task and he purposed to do it. And then, of course, we know the story that he went out and he actually did accomplish it. I want you to know, beloved, that, of course, we established the theme this morning with the goal and the desire is to, to sow bountifully. If uh, we are going to reach the end of this year and uh, have successfully sown, it's going to take some, uh, some planning. It's going to take some preparation. It's going to take uh, some time given to seeking the accomplishment of these goals. If we're going to reach the end and have accomplished more in 24, then we need to sow bountifully. Look with you would, if with me, in Nehemiah chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 1. I'm going to read for you the first eight verses of this text as we look at the, this example for us this evening. I don't expect to be long, but he says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was set before him, and I took up the wine, and I gave it unto the king. Now I had not before been before time sad in his presence, Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad, when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth in wait? The gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? He said, So I prayed to the God of heaven, And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, and thou wouldest send me into Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given to me, to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the king, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the place where appertaineth to the house, for the wall of the city, and for the house, and I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Well, beloved, it's well and good to have vision. It's well and good to have a, to have a goal. It's great to say that, well, we want to do more in 2024. 
But if that vision is going to be accomplished, it's going to need to be, it will be only accomplished with God's people. Vision, I want you to see, is activated through a plan. Vision is just the, the, the goal. Vision is just the, you understand, beloved, that vision motivates, but a plan mobilizes. Vision is what sets the, the, the direction we're headed, but it's somewhere along the line there has to be a plan implemented of how we're going to get there, of what we're going to do to accomplish it. We see in our text here, verses 7 and 8, he says to the king, he says, hey, uh, if it please the king, would you let me go? And he says, by the way, I need a letter from you telling these other kings to uh, take care of me while I'm there. Telling these other kings to provide me some wood uh, to help uh, establish these, the, what we need to build some things and to accomplish some things. Here's, here's my plan. If it please the king, this is what I would like to do. And he kind of laid out his plan for him. Nehemiah had a plan. He laid out his vision and he laid out what he wanted to do. You know, beloved, a, a biblical plan requires faith. A plan that is given to us by God goes beyond our ability and enters into the ability of God. Nehemiah did not know what the king was going to say. He didn't know if being sad in the countenance of the king was going to cost him his life or not. He, he, didn't, he, he just said, okay, Lord, help me, and told the king what he needed, gave him his plan. He didn't know what was going to happen, what was going to transpire. A plan that is inside of all of our own means, it, it does not leave room or is not necessary for faith, but a biblical plan has, has a need for faith. Where we want to step out by faith and trust God to accomplish His will. And we're going to see some things as we progress through this year that take faith. For me to stand up tonight and say to you that we want to have 400 on Anniversary Sunday. When last Anniversary Sunday, I, I mean, I don't know if we broke 200. That takes faith. It takes stepping out saying, okay, we're going to set a goal. We're going to, here's the vision. And, and, and over the next few weeks and months, you're going to see the plan uh, developed and people are going to be approaching you and saying, hey, can you help this way with, for Anniversary Sunday? Is there, here is something that needs to be done. Can you do this for Anniversary Sunday between now and then or on the day of or, or whatever? There's going to be a lot to do. And if we're going to have 400 people here, that means about 250 of them are going to be people that aren't part of the church. And that means we, as a church family, are going to have a lot of work that we need to do for that day. Preparing food and cooking and serving 400 people. That day is not going to be about us. It's not going to be about, you know, this uh, being able to uh, sit back and relax and enjoy it. Not if we're going to effectively minister to those 400 people that day. It's going to take some, some work and some effort on our part. But it will be a day of victory and a day of success a plan should stretch our faith. We know, beloved, that without faith it is impossible to please God. A fa a, a faith produces good in our life. Beloved, I don't want to just serve. I don't want to just exist. I want to do, move forward for God. I want to sow bountifully this year. And I want to see God uh, reward His people in a magnificent way because people did what God said to do. And we know that God is debtor to no man. A biblical plan requires faith. A biblical plan requires force. It requires Nehemiah had to get up and go. He had to, to take, he had to move on the action. He had to take the steps necessary. 
He asked the king what he needed, and the king said, okay, you can go. Maybe he was a little bit shocked. He thought, well, here's the plan, but the king's going to say no, so I'm going to be stuck here anyway. The king said, yeah, you can do it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh. I've had people come to me before with, with vision or plans for, uh, for ministries. And they're like, boy, we ought to start this ministry. And I say, amen, that's great. I'll stand with you. I'll get behind you. Why don't you do that? And they're like, well, that's not what I meant. I mean, like somebody, somebody should start this ministry, like somebody else, like, like you know, I, I don't have time to do it. And I'm like, well, it's a great idea. Uh, I'm not sure who you're wanting to do it. Uh, you know, uh, it, it takes a force. It takes you saying, hey, yeah, I'm willing to step up. I'm willing to say, yeah, let's do it. My dad used to say, hey, job seen, assignment given. Amen. That's the, that's the way we ought to be living with the goal and the ambition to serve other people. Nehemiah called for a force to labor with him. If anything is going to be different this year, we're going to have to put some effort behind it. We're going to have to put some work behind it. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 18, he was telling them of how God had blessed and brought him to this place. And he said, hey, listen, this is what we want to do. And, and God has blessed every step of the way. And here's the vision. But then God's people said, okay, let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their hands for the good work. Beloved, I want you to understand it doesn't matter how great the vision is. It doesn't matter how, how, how bold the ambition is if God's people aren't behind it. If there's nobody there to do it, if God's people aren't ready to march forward and say, yeah, let's rise up and build. Let's get behind it. Let's do it. We want to see God do this here in our church and for the cause of Christ and excited about it. Look at Nehemiah chapter number three. And I, I'm not even there in my Bible. I, sorry, I want you to see this and I... Normally, I put my text right in my notes to save me time turning. But uh, Nehemiah chapter number three, I want you to look at a repeating phrase throughout this text. Look at the beginning of verse number four. It says, and next unto them repaired. And it lists the families that served and repaired in that area. And then look at verse number five. It said, and next to them. And it lists the families that served and worked in that area. Uh, then look at uh, verse number seven. It says, and in next to them repaired. And there's the families and the people that served in that area. And next to them repaired in verse number eight. And in verse number nine, and next to them repaired. And in verse number 10, and next to them repaired. What I'm saying is there was a group of people and it wasn't just one or two or four or six. It was a whole list. Everybody said, the whole of the congregation said, yep, we want to do it. And I'm going to stand next to him. And what I'm saying is where's the people in God's house? And listen, I praise God we have a serving church. There's so many people here. There's a lot of churches that 10% of the church do 98% of the work and everybody else is just sitting and, and, and soaking it all up. We have a pretty great number of our church that are serving, actively participating, working in some aspect of the ministry, causing this to go forward. There's many people, everybody in here pretty much has something they're doing for God. There's, there's not, I don't know anybody in here that's just sitting and uh, everybody's doing something. So I'm not getting on you tonight, but I'm trying to exhort and encourage you to say, hey, I'll stand next to Pastor Gus. I'll help him do what he's called to do. Hey, Brother Lee's in charge of the greeters. And uh, you know what? If there's a greeter, 
greeter needed. I'll stand next to Brother Lee and I'll, I'll greet people as they're coming in. I'll carry an umbrella out there and, and bring somebody into the church. Hey, I'll get involved in the discipleship ministry. Brother Taylor, I'll stand next to you and, and we can minister to people. Hey, you know what? Is there ushers needed? Brother Don, he's the head of the ushers. I'll stand next to you, Brother Don. I'll serve with you. I'll help you in this ministry. Hey, Brother Glover, you're in charge of the sound ministry. You need somebody to stand next to you and be there to help support you in the sound ministry. Hey, Miss Laura, you're in charge of the nursery. You need some ladies to serve and help in the nursery to, to do what God needs to, so moms can be in the church and hear the service. And, and you know, I'll stand next to you. What about uh, outreach? Pastor Gus is in charge of outreach and ministry. Pastor Gus, I'll stand next to you. We need to reach some souls for Christ. I'm right there. I'm with you. What about Pastor? I'll stand next to you as we go forward for God. God's given you the vision. He said, this is the direction we can go. Pastor, I'm with you. Whatever we need to do, let's do it. I'm just saying, are you willing to stand next to somebody? It takes a force. It takes a group of people that have said, count me in. Yes, I'm willing. I'll stand up. I'll do the work. I'll help us move forward for God. The greatest vision does not matter unless God's people get behind it. Verse chapter four and verse number six says, so we built the wall and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof for the people had a mind to work. God's people said, I'll stand next to him. I'll build this part of the wall. I know I can't do it all, but I can do this right here. This is what I can do. And I'll do this so that the church and the cause of Christ and what has to happen will go forward. Not only does it take faith, not only does it take a force working to accomplish it, but beloved, it takes focus. It takes focus. Can I, can I remind you about those two hoodlums in the book of Nehemiah named Sam Ballot and Tobiah? You guys remember those guys? Those two guys that were against the work of God and didn't want to see it move forward, they heard about the, the walls being built up and they, they tried to stand in the way of the work. They wrote letters back to the king and said, oh, Nehemiah and these guys here, they're raising an insurrection against you and, and lied about them. You know, as you get busy for God, there's going to be some things that stand in the way. There's going to be some enemies. You know that... Uh, Satan and, and, and self many times will get in the way of you doing what you know God wants you to do. It's going to take some focus. Oh, you remember uh, there in uh, Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse number 3. Look at it if you would. Nehemiah 6, number 3. Sam Ballot and Tobiah were trying to get them to come down and have a little powwow. We need to meet and talk about this. We're concerned about you building these walls. It looks to me like these walls are a little weak. He says, man, these walls are so weak, if, if a fox came up here and, and blew, they would fall down. And uh, they, the message was sent back in Nehemiah 6.3, and he sent a message unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? What I'm saying is it's going to take focus. We're going to have to be focused on what needs to be done and what needs to be accomplished because there's a lot of things that can distract you. There's a lot of things that can pull you away from what you know God wants you to do and what God would want us to accomplish. A lot of things can eat up our time and consume our days and, and occupy our thoughts. Some of you got a vision to memorize some scripture this year. And you know what? If you're going to do that, it's going to take some focus. You, you'll get started on it, and all of a sudden the phone will ring. You're trying to use that app, and then and somebody's texting. 
Some, some notifications coming up. Uh, there's somebody trying to get a hold of you, trying to rob and steal the time that you've set aside to memorize God's word. It's going to take some focus. Secondly, I want you to see vision is advanced through preparation. We read the verses in verses 11 through 13. So they came, uh, well, we, had, we didn't read that. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Look at it with me if you would. He says, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night and some few men with me. Neither told I any man of what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. He went out and he got a plan. He went out and he looked at what needed to be done. He began to prepare to accomplish what God had put in his heart to do. As every time I read that, I can't help but think about how overwhelmed I was the day that I showed up in Lawrence, Kansas, and I knew how much work the pastor was asking me to do. Here I was, a young youth assistant pastor, just signed up, and I'm like, man, I mean, he says, okay, here's where you're going to be living, but first you got to build it. Uh, right now, it's just open area. you got to build a house to live in first, and, and that's just what you're going to do to live in. And then here's the church, and we need to build this school. we got to build all these classrooms because we started a school two weeks ago, and they need a place to meet. And I walked around that first night thinking, what am I doing here? I'm like, if I could load up my truck and leave right now, I would. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was so overwhelmed. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. What in the world? And I, can, I, I feel that. Literally today, I can still feel the oppression that I felt that night, how overwhelmed I was. And I think about Nehemiah going around the city and seeing the work and thinking, man, what did I sign up for? Look at this. Look at all these. Look at how much wall there is to build. Look at what needs to be done here. A beloved if we adequately prepare, the vision can be accomplished. Success comes when preparation meets opportunity. I don't know who said it initially or where it came from. It's obviously a well-known uh, statement there. But success always comes when preparation meets opportunity. You know, the staff and I <laughs> literally... Three years ago, we started writing down ideas for this year. And then back in October, when we got away for a couple of days, we, we, we nailed down and really went through week by week through the annual calendar and said, okay, what does God have for us for this coming year? And what do we need to accomplish? And we started laying it out. And then since October until now, there's been many hours of prayer and preparation and work put in uh, just for tonight's service. Preparation so that we as a church can move forward in success. You wouldn't think that you would advance in any area of life without preparation. I mean, if you want to become a doctor, you suppose that's just going to happen? Yeah. It's going to take a lot of preparation. You say, well, obviously, Pastor, but you know what? You want to become a barber. It's going to take some preparation. It's going to take some work. It doesn't matter. You want to become a seamstress. It's going to take preparation. Anything in our life that we're going to be success at is going to take preparation. Preparation precedes progress. Preparation precedes prospering. 
Preparation precedes production. If we're going to see uh, success this year, we've got to adequately prepare, put things in place, be ready to go. I want to encourage you that advancement requires faithfulness. Vision is advanced through preparation. And that takes faithfulness of God's people. You know, there's a lot of people that are interested or willing to do the massive thing, but not so interested in doing the mundane thing. Could I encourage the church family tonight to commit to faithfulness? We serve a faithful God. He is so faithful to us. He never leaves us. And we, as God's people, it's counted under a steward that a man be found faithful. We need to be faithful to God. Faithful in the mundane things. Faithful to do what we know we're supposed to do. Beloved, when you're faithful, your actions have impact on others. Others see your faithfulness. It gives them hope and it gives them faith to believe that they too can be faithful. You know, God who God takes those who are ser- serving faithfully in the mundane and he lifts them up to do the massive. I mean, you think about Nehemiah. He was a cupbearer. I mean, he wasn't an advisor to the king. He wasn't a statesman. He wasn't in parliament. His job was to stand over the, because because the king could, you know, we have them in our car, cup holders. The job is for it to be there to hold my cup when I need it. That's what his job was, to hold the cup and stand out of the way. When the king wanted a drink, he'd be right there, just wait, and take the cup and get out of the way. Not really that big or massive of a job. If we're going to see God do great things, we need to commit to faithfulness in even the little things. Just being faithful to your opportunity to serve in ushering. You say, oh, well, it's not a big deal. I mean, there's other guys that can jump in. It's not really important. If your mind towards your ministry, whatever your ministry is, if it's serving in the sound booth, oh, it's just running the sound. I mean, anybody can do that. Oh, hey, sorry, I can't do it today. Oh, I forgot. If that's the level of importance that you put on your ministry for God, I wonder how soon God's going to pick you up and take you into the next level. We just need people that are going to be faithful. What about just faithful to church? Just faithful to be in God's house. You know, church can't grow or go forward with a hit and miss congregation. That's just the facts. With people that are going to be here or not be here, or you just don't know, or, or you know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. No, a, a church family needs to be made up of people that are committed 
And they can say, well, I mean, I know sometimes you're sick. There's some of our congregation right now that are homesick. They're probably watching online. But, but if, if they weren't sick, they would be here. That, that's understandable, but, you know, just... Let me just encourage you to be faithful. Be faithful in even the mundane things. Now, beloved, I try and show gratitude. This is an area I'm weak. You know, we went over to uh, Brother Steve and Kathy's house. And uh, we're eating dinner and we're talking to them about joining the church. And Kathy looks at me and she says, Pastor... Tell me an area where you're weak. She says, tell me somewhere that you're a complete and utter failure. <laughs> no, she didn't. She didn't really. <laughs> uh, she didn't really say it like that. Um, and I had to pause and think, not because I couldn't think of something where I'm weak, just I didn't want her to, complete, to completely destroy what she thought of me. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of areas I could have gave her. Uh, you know, but this, this would be one of them. I, I'm not as good at showing gratitude as I should be. Uh, my problem is, is uh, sometimes I get the mindset, well, I just feel like you ought to do it. Like, it's your job. You should be there. You said you would do it. You should be present. You should accomplish it. And on the other side of that, I should still be thankful. I should still... And, you know, when people don't show up, it makes me thankful for the ones that do. <laughs> like, man, that's awesome. They're here. Hallelujah. Uh, you get thankful for that. But the problem is I lean a little bit more towards, I, I, you know, I don't know. I need to be more grateful and, and show more appreciation. But I hope that the goal here this evening would be to encourage you to be faithful. And even the smallest, most mundane task. You know, there's somebody that takes attendance in Sunday school every week. I've thought about giving out the attendance. At the end of this last year, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to let everybody know how many Sundays they were present this year. Uh, maybe I better not do that. That's the Holy Spirit <laughs> telling me, <laughs> you don't want to, uh, I don't want to make everybody mad. They might not even know that their attendance is recorded. But every, every service, your name is written down that you're present or not present. And if you want to know how many services you missed, we can give you the record. Uh, we have the record. And, and, you know, occasionally we might miss you. You might look back and say, well, I was there on December 12th. Okay, well, we'll mark your present. Uh, say, occasionally, sometimes it might get missed. But I'm saying if somebody does that faithfully every week, it's just it's their job. Nobody else knows about it. They just, they just make sure they're marking off everybody that's here. Uh, and then I get an email during the week, let me know who missed not so that we're keeping track of them, but so that I can call and say, hey, are you sick? Are you doing okay? Uh, you know, just missed you on Sunday. want to make sure that everything's all right. We need somebody to come by and visit. Um, you know, but I'm just saying there's a lot of things that are very mundane. You know, the majority of life is mundane. You may not like brushing your teeth, but you got to do it every day. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just part of life. It's just one of those things you just got to do. And... Uh, you know, advancement requires service. Somebody said the measure of man's greatness is not how many people serve him, but how many people he serves. 
And, uh, you know, I was reading something recently, and I read about a pastor, uh, well, it was a staff member that was talking about his pastor that instilled in him, he's, he, he told all of his staff, he says, you need to make it a habit, everybody you talk to, you need to say, is there anything I can do for you? He said, you need to have a spirit of service. Yes, you're a staff member, but you need to have a spirit of service everywhere you go. It needs to be part of your conversation and part of what you say always, just as you meet and greet, talk to people, is there anything I can do for you? And I was impressed by that. I was motivated and, and stirred to say, you know what, I need to do that. I personally need to make myself available to people, say, is there anything I can do for you? And I'm announcing that to you guys right now. I'm telling you that. Why? Because I hope that sometime in the next few months you start seeing that as part of my conversation. That you have a pastor that wants to serve you. If we're going to move forward, it's going to take people with a mind to serve, to work. Lastly, vision is accomplished through provision. Vision is accomplished through provision. In chapter 2 and verse number 8, the very last phrase there, it says, And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. And we saw how the king provided things. If you know the story, we're not going to take time to read it all, but the, God, I mean, the king gave him letters and went before him, and, and all that he asked for was provided, and the provision that he needed to build the walls was there. And uh, ultimately, just to put it bluntly, to go forward for God, to do something in the ministry takes money. It takes uh, God's people sacrificially giving. Uh, the greater the vision, the greater the cost. Somebody said, you know what a father is? He's a man that carries pictures in his wallet where his money used to be. <laughs> it's just life, that's the way life is. Life costs, ministry costs, serving others costs, whatever it is we want to do, it, it's going to take provision. But I want you to know that God has the provision. He says here, according to the good hand of my God upon me, God has all that we need. God will provide. Everything that we need, God will provide. We see in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 4, he says, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Beloved, what we need most of all is we need God. Yes, I know it's going to take money to do the job, but even this morning as I just, just talked about the idea of sowing bountifully and tried to apply it to many different aspects of our life, not just financially, but ultimately the, the heart of it that I hope came across at the end was that the goal here is, is not that we as a church would have more of, of things or of finance or whatever. The goal is that we would have more of God. The missionary and statesman, statesman Hudson Taylor, who is known for his faith in God, said, Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a very good appetite every morning. Beloved, he sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect that he should send three million missionaries to China. But if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. 
Depend on it. Count on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God will provide what's needed. Beloved, what we need to do is stay focused on the provider. What I'm saying is money is not the solution to our problem. We need the provider. We're getting things out of perspective when we focus on the lack instead of on the Lord. When we focus on money instead of the master, when we spend our time focusing on the problem instead of the provider, our focus is wrong. The challenge this evening is, yes, it's going to take provision, but God's work is not going to lack for God's supply if we're focused on him. On ABC's Good Morning America, there was a reporter that interviewed the psychologist named Steve Danish from the Virginia Commonwealth University. They had done a very intricate study on the effect of instant wealth. And, of course, those that get instant wealth, you know, are lottery winners. So they went through a numerous number of lottery winners and uh, what they determined, and I quote, he said, the dream you have about winning may be far better than the actual winning itself. There have been many families simply torn apart by instant, what was the word? Income, instant what? Wealth, yeah, instant wealth. Um, What I'm saying, beloved, is the focus on the money is the wrong problem. It's the wrong thing. The provision of a whole box of funds, you're like, well, I sure would like to try it. (laughs) Just just once, just see what it'd be like, you know. Have a lot of money, have the freedom to do whatever. I mean, that would be fun. Uh, Yeah, you know, it would. I would love to have a million dollars right now to pay off our mortgage. That would be awesome. But we don't. But being too focused on that problem instead of the provider is a problem for me. Beloved, what we need first is his presence. The song, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Beloved, we could be a congregation or a group that had a whole bunch of money in the bank and, and you know, our coffers were full. But if we met in God's house without his presence, it'd be for nothing. It would be a waste. The focus is on the wrong thing when that's what we're after. We want to have vision that takes and it stretches our faith a little bit. We want to say, man, God's going to have to do something to meet this need. But you know what? Our focus is on him. And he's the provider. If we do what we should do, God will do the rest. And we just focus on him. That's my call and my challenge for you this evening, beloved. What we need is his presence. What we need is his power. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts.
You know, God told Joshua when he was crossing that uh, Jordan River, going, going to the promised land, he says, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. There's no reason why any one of us here can't have the presence and the power of God on our life. God wants to do that for us. That needs to be our focus as a church and as we seek to sow bountifully. God's given us abundant promises. And somebody said, you can't break God's promises by leaning on them. We need to lean on the promises of God. Yes, it's going to take finance to pay for the vision. But if we'll just focus on him, the need will be met. The desire to move forward will not lack for God's supply. Beloved, I believe that if we just focus on him, that we'll sit back this year in awe of what God does. I believe it wholeheartedly. We'll sit back in awe at what God does in our lives individually, in our church as a mist, because of our focus being on him. And I pray that we can do that.